section three of social life in england seventeen fifty to eighteen fifty by f j folks jackson this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami lecture one life in the eighteenth century illustrated by the career of john wesley part three not that wesley was not in serious danger at times especially in cornwall once at falmouth the house was filled with privateers men only a wainscot partition separated him from the mob indeed to all appearances our lives were not worth an hour's purchase when the door was broken down he came forth bareheaded for i purposely left off my hat that they all might see my face his calmness saved him for though countless hands were lifted up to strike or throw at him yet they were one and all stopped in the midway so that i had not even a speck of dirt on my clothes ferocious as were the british mobs of this period they were capable of generous sentiments and chivalrous admiration for courage the people were often set on wesley by the gentry and to their shame be it said by some of the clergy the excuse both in cornwall in seventeen forty five and in newcastle was that the methodist societies were with the pretenders all the gentlemen in these parts say wesley was told that you have been a long time in france and spain and are now set hither by the pretender and that these societies are to join him it is scarcely necessary to do more than allude to the extreme brutality of the amusements of people in england in the eighteenth century dog-fighting bear-baiting bull-baiting cock-fighting were universal and we may see from hogarth's pictures cruelty to animals was universal on one occasion a baited bull was turned loose to interrupt a congregation assembled to hear wesley preach one of the ringleaders of the mob at wassell who ended by taking the part of the methodists was a noted prize-fighter in a bear-garden john and charles wesley began their religious labours at oxford in the city prison bocardo ministering to the prisoners and the journal throws a lurid light on the condition of felons criminals and debtors in england the system was atrocious there was no real control and the jailers farmed the place and made what they could out of it the result was that if a man paid he could do what he liked in jail and if he could not he was treated just as his keepers pleased side by side therefore with the utmost squalor and misery was almost indescribable profligacy i visited the marshalsea prison writes wesley on february third seventeen fifty three a nursery of all manner of wickedness o oh, shame to man that there should be such a place such a picture of hell upon earth and shame to those who bear the name of christ that there should need any prison at all in christendom let me quote an extract from a letter to the london chronicle friday january second seventeen sixty one sir of all the seats of woe on this side hell few i suppose exceed or equal newgate if any region of horror could exceed it a few years ago newgate in bristol did so great was the filth the stench the misery and wickedness which shocked all who had a spark of humanity left the prison at bristol had been reformed by a good keeper who says wesley deserves to be remembered full as well as the man of ross 
it was clean there was no drunkenness no brawling no immorality no idleness and a decent service in the chapel these reforms themselves show what most prisons of the time must have been like another evil was smuggling wherever a boat could land there was a conspiracy to defraud the revenue the business for it was nothing else was run on the most extensive scale and the whole countryside was engaged in it the smugglers were armed and disciplined and prepared to offer furious resistance to the officers of the revenue wesley set his face sternly against the practice the stewards met at st ives from the western part of cornwall the next day i began examining the society but i was soon obliged to stop short i found an accursed thing among them well nigh one and all bought and sold uncustomed goods i therefore delayed speaking to any more till i had met them all together this i did in the evening and told them plain either they must put this abomination away or they would see my face no more this was in november seventeen fifty three in june seventeen fifty seven wesley was in the north at sunderland i met the society and told them plain none could stay with us unless they would part with all sin particularly robbing the king selling or buying run goods which i would no more suffer than robbing on the highway in seventeen sixty two he is able to record of cornwall the detestable practice of cheating the king smuggling is no more found in our societies and since the accursed thing has been put away the work of god has everywhere increased the cornish practice of wrecking still continued and in seventeen seventy six wesley writes i was afterwards inquiring if that scandal in cornwall of plundering wrecked vessels still continued he was told that it was as great as ever and only the methodists would not share in it wesley remarks with his usual good sense when dealing with a practical matter the gentry of cornwall may totally prevent it whenever they please only let the law take its course and the plundering will stop even if every labourer or tinner i e tin miner guilty of it were to be discharged and his name advertised to prevent his getting respectable employment there would be no more of it in his peregrination wesley did not disdain to visit and to note in his journal objects of curiosity and interest his active mind could not help occupying itself with anything exceptional and many a traveller with nothing to do but investigate the locality has seen much less than he here is his description of how apprentices were made free of the corporation of annick sixteen or seventeen we were informed were to receive their freedom this day and in order thereto such is the unparalleled wisdom of the present corporation as well as of their forefathers to walk through a great bog purposely preserved for the occasion otherwise it might have been drained long ago which takes some of them to the neck and many of them to the breast a few months later he is in the south near carisbrook castle whither he walked in the afternoon it stands upon a solid rock upon the top of an hill and commands a beautiful prospect there is a well cut in it cut quite through the rock said to be seventy-two yards deep and another in the citadel near an hundred 
they drew up the water by an ass which they assured me was sixty years old but all the stately apartments lie in ruins only just enough of them is left to show the chamber where poor king charles was confined and the windows through which he attempted to escape from the steeple of glasgow cathedral wesley surveys the country a more fruitful and better cultivated plain is scarce to be seen in england indeed nothing is wanted but more trade which would naturally bring more people to make a great part of scotland in no way inferior to the best counties in england when he came to edinburgh he was not so pleased with the high street the situation of the city on a hill shelving down on both sides as well as to the east is inexpressibly fine and the main street so broad and finely paved with lofty houses on either side many of them seven or eight stories high is far beyond any in great britain but how can it be suffered that all manner of filth should be thrown even into this street continually where are the magistracy the gentry the nobility of the land have they no concern for the honour of their nation how long shall the capital city of scotland yea in the chief street of it stink worse than a common sewer will no lover of this country or of decency and common sense find a remedy for it on one occasion he went to the tower of london where lions used to be kept with a man who played the german flute to see whether music had any influence on animals the lions rose up and came to the front of the den and seemed all attention a tiger started up and began continually leaping over and crawling under a lion wesley asks can we account for this by any principle of mechanism can we account for it at all at cairnbray in cornwall he admires the druidical remains at windsor he views the improvements of that active and useful man the duke of cumberland especially the triangle tower built at the edge of windsor park here also he visited the house of a lover of the antique the oddest i ever saw with my eyes everything breathes antiquity scarce a bedstead is to be seen that is not a hundred and fifty years old and everything is out of the common way for six hours i suppose these oddities would much delight a curious man but after six months they would probably give him no more pleasure than a collection of feathers when he was eighty we find him in holland delighted with the country and its people and his reception by madame de vasnar she received us with that easy openness and affability which is almost peculiar to persons of quality the great hall in the stadthouse at amsterdam reminds him of his old college hall at christchurch it is near as large it is a temptation to me to multiply examples of how the great preacher illustrates the country every way of which was familiar to him after his long journeyings no man of his time could have known england scotland wales and ireland better few with all our facilities of travel know it half as well much of it was wild and almost uninhabited some of the roads were enough to daunt the hardiest of travellers on one occasion the road to ely for a mile and a half was under water the chaise found the roads impassable near st ives 
so wesley borrowed a horse and rode forward till the ground was completely under water then he borrowed a boat full twice as large as an eating trough he was seventy-two years old at this time so wild were parts of the island that john hayne a disciple of wesley relates that he once saw what he supposed to be a supernatural appearance in the clear sky a creature like a swan but much larger part black and part brown which flew at him went just over his head and lighting on the ground stood staring upon him this was undoubtedly a great bustard and southey in his life of wesley quotes the gentleman's magazine to show that one was seen as late as eighteen o one as we have seen the very people of this time seem almost as unfamiliar to us as the scenery would have been but is it not strange that with a guide whose thoughts were almost entirely in the world to come we should have seen so much and could see so much more if only we could study him more closely he lays bare to us england during the very long and active life of a man born just after the death of william the third who saw george the third thirty years and more upon the throne wesley might have heard of the peace of utrecht in seventeen thirteen as a boy of the south sea bubble in seventeen twenty as a youth and he lived to hear of the french revolution in seventeen eighty nine and the fall of the bastille and throughout this long period of time the remarkable thing is his amazing vitality he says he never felt low-spirited a sleepless night is so unusual that it is specially commented on till his eighty-fifth year he never acknowledged that he felt old his youthfulness surprised him when recording his eighty-eighth and following birthdays no man had therefore a greater opportunity for seeing what england was like and wesley used it to the full yet it is a strange and perhaps an original guide whom we have used and it may be that the impression he leaves upon our minds is not quite what i had designed suppose my lecture should have been to some of you like the sermon of which george herbert writes where all lack sense god takes the text and preaches patience and my listeners you have surrendered yourselves to your own thoughts and dreams you may have pictured in the england of the eighteenth century a moorland on a windy winter evening and on the near horizon the glare of an ill-lit manufacturing town and a single figure small and slight his long grey hair falling over his shoulders sitting on a tired horse plodding forward with a loosened rein it is a subject the genius of a malay might have made as memorable as his famous angelus the two peasants praying as they hear the bell across the damp fields at even and your dream vision picture call it what you will would be no less an adequate clue to the meaning of that famous age than would some of the most stirring scenes in the history of great britain in those thrilling times for in a sense john wesley expressed the spirit of many thousands of its people End of section three